Join the conversation with the Morning Majlis. Pulse95. Yeah, join the conversation on the Morning Majlis. This is a conversation for all of us and all of you out there listening, tuning in, looking for a new job, thinking about revamping your CV or thinking about uh, hiring new talent. This is going to be a great conversation because we're very kindly joined here in the studio uh, by an HR expert, uh, CEO and founder of Melius Consulting, Taz Rajabali. Very good morning. Thank you for joining us. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on, guys. Well, uh, great to uh, speak about this. Now, let's start off by talking about um, overall. Uh, let's start with the basic stuff. Top mistakes that job seeker normally makes when looking for a job, because there's going to be a lot of them out there. Uh, but for them to get straight into the straight to the point, what are they doing wrong that they're not getting that response from the HR experts? Yeah, <laughs> it's a great question. Let's get straight to the point. Um, I think the the number one mistake that people are making is that they're choosing job search strategies mm-hmm. um, and then they're realizing that they don't work and they just continue doing the same thing again and again. And we all know that if we just continue doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results, that's, that's not going to achieve the outcomes we want. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I encourage people to do is try job search strategies. If they don't work, change them. Um, and I think where people get stuck is that they don't realize what other alternatives they have. Uh, and so what I'm doing and I'm, what I'm trying to help people with is to help them realize there are many different ways of job searching and uh, try different strategies which work for you. Right. Okay. Now, w- there's going to be a lot of people out there that are looking for their perfect job, right? Mm. Um, and uh, they're nervous about their, 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 their going to an interview. Mm. Uh, top mistakes they make when preparing for an interview and turning up as well. Not preparing <laughs> Yeah, probably one of them. Um, you know, I think... I think being authentic is the most important thing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I fully understand that people get very nervous before they go to an interview. Uh, and those nerves generally lead us to, to performing below what we could what we could uh, really do if we were calm and mm-hmm. and and certain. Um, and of course, those nerves come from a very genuine place. You know, a lot of people struggle uh, and need need a need a work need a job need uh, need to be employed, uh, and so those nerves are very real. But what I would always recommend to people is is try and be calm, be authentic, mm. be yourself. Um, and if you use those approaches, the job you will end up with will be the one you actually will perform mm-hmm. the best in and will be most suited to you because that'll be the real one. Mm-hmm. So what really grabs the attention of an employer when looking at a candidate's CV? Uh, is it like a picture? Is it like a cover <laughs> letter? Is it like a long CV or a short CV? Like, what is it? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think... Um, I think if we if we look at it at the application stage, so mm. pre-interview, and then if we look at it at the at the interview stage, so pre-interview, um, normally you're thinking about a short CV, which is very appropriate to the job that they are hiring. Mm. So you're looking for skills and experiences which align to what the employer is looking for. Mm. I think at the interview, because the job of the CV is to get you the interview, of course, right? Yeah. So, and and what, and I think one of the mistakes people make is that they try to put too much information on the CV. Maybe that's not relevant to the job role, or even uh, less information would have already gotten gotten you the interview, right? So, um, I encourage people not to write CVs which are too lengthy. Right. Okay, um, by and large, people who read CVs, whether that's your recruitment team or your hiring manager. 
they're not going to read the full CV from top to bottom. So it's about having shorter CVs with the right information. Mm -hmm. And with the right information, you get the interview. At the interview, I think what good interviewers are looking for are skills, experiences, behaviors, and achievements which relate to the job at hand, mm -hmm. potentially also the next job, because some organizations interview for this job and the job plus one. What that means is they're looking whether you are going to fit within the organization and whether you will be somebody who could perform well, be promoted in the future. So we're not just interviewing you for this job today, but actually, are you going to stay with us for a while? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's the cultural fit. Do we like you? Do we want to work with you? Are you going to fit within our team? Do you you share our values, all of those sorts of things. So now with the spread of videos and reels and everything is like TikTok kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. material. Yeah. Um, have you heard or you probably have seen this new trend of video CVs? Yeah. What do you think of that? Look, I think I think the important thing is that we've got to use the right medium, whatever that mm. is, to be yeah. able to communicate your mm. experience, your personality, your preferences, your motivations. Now, back in the day, that was the CV mm -hmm. because the technology to have a video CV or do a video interview didn't exist. Mm. Today, times have changed. And if now organizations are saying, you know, the most effective slash efficient way of us assessing you and understanding your capabilities is through a video CV. Great, let's mm -hmm. use video CVs. I'm not anti-technology and uh, thinking that, you know, things should always be the way they were. Um, but I do, I do advocate technology supporting the process for candidates and employers rather than just technology for the sake of having the latest technology. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't achieve the outcomes you want, there's no point having it. Mm. Like um, now, that brings me to this question of uh, there's going to be a lot of people struggling with retaining talent uh, yeah. within their own company because yeah. we've seen there was a mass exodus of you know obviously layoffs in in the tech world. Mm. Uh, what uh, in a, if we were to focus on this topic of how to keep an employee and how to keep your employees uh, or retain the talents because a lot of people tend to leave bad bosses and that's one of my theories <laughs> yes, that they don't leave bad, bad companies it's always the environment so how can an hr expert play a role in 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 retaining the talent and creating that good environment i think there's a risk of overcomplicating mm. this and i run the risk perhaps of oversimplifying this but i i truly believe that sometimes simpler is better mm. if you understand what your employees want Mm. what they're looking for from the current job, but also what they're looking for in the future. And if you're able to deliver those things, then you shouldn't have a challenge retaining your staff. Mm. Um, what do most people want? Well, that depends. You know, some people want uh, incremental salary increases on a regular basis. Some people want the opportunity to earn good bonuses based on performance. Some people value learning, development, skills growth, professional growth. Some people want variety in their job. What we want as individuals from the workplace varies. I think if HR functions within organizations are able to understand what their employees want and are able to deliver those things, retention won't be a problem. Now, 
we're not always going to be able to deliver what everybody wants. There will be a natural journey for certain employees where your time within an organization comes to a natural end because either the organization goes in a different direction and that, that's dif that differs from your personal direction or something else happens. That's absolutely fine. There is natural attrition within organizations which is good for both the employee and the employer. What HR organizations are trying to limit is the attrition that they don't want. Mm. Um, and that's just a case of being close to your employees and understanding what they want. Makes sense, yeah. I think that's very important, isn't it? Um, now, the other question uh, that I've got to touch upon is uh, you've been involved in, in HR you know, uh, for, for a very long time. There's a lot of <laughs> nice things that people say about you on, on LinkedIn when it comes to the feedback. Um, what have you encountered over the years of your uh, you recruiting for people? Any nightmares, any funny incidents <laughs> that you've got and thought, man, this mistake should not be made or, um, or a challenge in, in finding the right person uh, for a particular role? Look, I think over the years, and as you, as you embarrassingly say, I've been doing this for a long, long time. <laughs> um, over the years, you know, there are so many errors that people make within within hiring, within HR. At the end of the day, where people, you know, we're going to make mm. mistakes as well. Um, I think if I think if if I think about what what's happening today, and a lot of the mistakes that people are making today, um, one of the most common ones I hear about from the candidate side is ghosting right oh, this, is, yeah. this is very normal they apply for jobs they don't hear back yeah. they go for interviews they don't get any feedback for me this there's no reason for this mm -hmm. you know now i can i can hear all the recruiters on the, yeah. <laughs> on the right screaming at me already and all yeah. hr people saying you don't understand stop him, stop I'll, him. yeah, yeah I'll, <laughs> I'll come to that in a second because there are valid reasons but i think at the very minimum, if, if you've interviewed somebody, if they've come to your organization or you've done it on Zoom or Teams or, or whatever your format, but somebody has taken the time out of their lives to, mm. to spend with you an interview, I think the very least you can do is get back to them with either positive or negative feedback. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the absolute bare minimum. Even that doesn't happen consistently yeah. enough. So that's, that's a very common mistake today. And I think organizations must become better at these things. Um, I'm going to be a little bit controversial here because I know there's a lot of commentary uh, in in the public domain about apply uh, sorry about replying to every applicant. Mm -hmm. If you post a job today on a platform in the UAE within a week on average you'll receive somewhere in the region depending on the nature of the job somewhere in the region of between 800 and 1200 applications wow. in the first week. Is it realistic to expect every applicant to receive a tailored response back to say whether they've been accepted or rejected for the role? If you accept that, if you, if you suggest that that is an acceptable outcome, then you are suggesting that recruiters should spend 98% of their time replying to people who are not suitable for the job there are some automated uh, responses that they can they can actually publish and that's know? what that's what happens just that's, to ease the applicant at least just give him a yes or a no answer yeah, yeah. absolutely and, and you see that a lot there are systems which will reply on behalf of the recruiters right, right. they normally call applicant tracking systems mm -hmm. 
if you talk to candidates, they don't particularly enjoy receiving these no, messages. No, not at all. Right, yeah. um, but at least they're getting something. And I, exactly. I did a, I did a poll a little while ago on LinkedIn, and I think it was seventy percent of people said no. It's not not enough that I get this standard response yeah. back. But I believe it's better than you know staying in, like hanging there, right? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe something is better than nothing. Yeah. True. But I, I think the issue is this: if you, as a candidate, use a platform to apply for a job mm -hmm. then you should do so knowingly that you are going to go into a pool of potentially a thousand candidates and the likelihood of you getting a tailored response is very very low mm -hmm. so to get frustrated about that is actually probably not something you need to do you should if you go into it with your eyes open mm. and i always say to candidates if you do get a response you should be really excited mm -hmm. <laughs> for a tailored yeah. response. But if you don't get a response, that's probably the norm based on the strategy you're choosing. Mm -hmm. And if you prefer to increase the chances of you getting a tailored response back, choose a different strategy. Mm -hmm. Taz, um, I'm wondering, of course you've been seeing the massive layoffs that have been happening mm. in the tech industry to be specific. So does that really kind of ring an alarm or pose a threat to other industries? And why do you think that, that has been happening uh, as a whole, those layoffs? Yeah, that's an, that's a really interesting question. I've been reading about this over the last couple of weeks since since it really started. And to be honest, I don't have a clear answer on, on why there have been mass layoffs across tech. If I look back over the 30 years that I've been doing this, there are always cycles of hiring and, and firing. And unfortunately, that seems to be a reality. Now, why do organizations do this in, in boom markets? They, they hire, they overhire. Suddenly something happens in the world which causes um, sales to come down, revenues to come down, profits to come down, and then they are overstaffed. Um, and this seems to be a cyclical occurrence. I think the tech organizations, particularly in this day and age where everything we do is tech related, mm -hmm. they are perhaps the extremes of that. Mm -hmm. Does this translate to other industries? I think until we see a, a large scale global macroeconomic uh, event, we had the pandemic, of course, that caused a lot of layoffs. There is talk today about a, an upcoming recession around the world. Mm -hmm. I think if that materializes, we will probably see more layoffs across other industries. But there's no certainty that that's going to materialize. At the moment, there is concern, but it hasn't happened yet. Right. So a little bit of wait and see at the moment. Mm -hmm. I think if you are an employee and if you are concerned about this, um, I would suggest remaining focused, ensuring that you're delivering value, ensuring that you're close to your boss and you understand what the organization wants from you. You continue to deliver that and you stay focused on what you can control rather than, you know, worrying about what you can't control. The other thing is, you know, it's always good to know what's happening in, in the job market. Now, that doesn't mean you should always be looking for another job. Right, just to clarify that. But by all means, you know, talk to a recruiter, talk to an expert in the industry, keep your finger on the pulse. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, keep your finger on the pulse of the job market, understand what's going on. And then if you're in a situation where perhaps you are affected, at least you're starting from a position of knowledge and you can then choose what to do for yourself. Right. Um, now, I've got this question, of course, as you, as you pointed out, that, you know, you've got to keep a, a, an eye out for other jobs. And the fact there's 800 
to 1,000 or over 1,000 applica- applications mm. that do uh, come <clears> through. Uh, once I see a particular good role, right, I'll apply for it and then I'll see a mutual connection. Now, we've got this term, WASTA, which has been widely thrown around in this part of the globe. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the anti-nepotism drive around the world. So um, it's a great area. It's a very touchy t- topic as well. Uh, what should a strong candidate um do should they approach a potential connection? Should they look for a reference? Should they? Should, well, what should be the next step after you've seen a very good job, but you know someone also uh, works there vaguely? Yeah. So again, if you are one of the thousand people applying for a job, your your application will typically go into a system, mm. and then what that system does with your application is largely out, outside of your control. Right. Whether that system ranks your resume <clears throat> towards the top of the applicants or towards the bottom, you're not really certain. If you recognize that there is somebody in the organization you may know, in my opinion, there's absolutely no harm in reaching out to that individual and saying, look, you know, I, I applied. Um, could you notify the appropriate person of my relevance and my interest? Um, sometimes people will say, can you put in a good word for mm-hmm. me? Organizations appreciate personal recommendations. If, right. if you are a hiring manager and somebody within the organization says, look, I think this individual would, would be a great fit for your team. I may have worked with them in the past. I know that they are a good performer, etc., etc." Those things carry value and I don't think they do any harm. It's then up to the hiring community to ensure that they assess the individual in an unbiased manner which mm. then crosses off the WAFTA question because normally in those situations, it's a favor. Right. It kind of negates whether the individual is right for the role or not, but perhaps they are hired based on something else. Right. So I don't think there's any harm in getting that internal recommendation or referral, but I think it's then the onus of the hiring team to ensure they assess and hire the best candidate based on the right uh, the right approaches. Amazing. Well, uh, uh, one quick concluding remark on um, uh, the av- the good length of a CV. It's a big debate. <laughs> Two pages, three pages, four pages, a, a whole catalogue, maybe a PowerPoint presentation so it's visually appealing. Yeah. What's a good size of a CV? Uh, it's the uh, it's the million dollar question. <laughs> I, I think rather than the length of the CV, I think it's just important to focus on the content of the CV. Content, yeah. And if you can communicate what you need to communicate in a page, there's no need for another page. Right. If it takes you two pages to really communicate what the important matters, take two pages. But I don't think there's a prescribed answer for how many pages. Right, okay. That's a very Swiss response there. (laughs) Sitting on the fence here. Yeah. It's all about the content. You said it. You nailed it. Yeah. It's all about the content. There you go. Well, uh, thank you for joining us uh, this morning. Uh, And uh, we would love to hear more from you. Of course, lots of people have been uh, throwing those questions, so we'll send them across to you and link uh, you to that. Uh, CEO and founder of Millis Consulting, Taz Rajabali, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Have a great day. All the very best. So hopefully that there's some useful information that you've learned from this conversation. If you'd like to catch this as a podcast, you can do so on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search for Morning Manchelis, subscribe and share away. Keep your finger on the pulse. That's going to be our new uh, liner for sure. Uh, stay with us. You're listening to The Morning Manchelis. See all our pretty pictures at Pulse95 Radio on Instagram.